chapter 5 is where we'll be reading tonight. I believe God's going to encourage someone tonight. I believe God's going to challenge some people tonight. I believe God's going to help us. Amen. Who came here ready to be helped? Oh, yeah, just a couple of people. Amen. All right. Just I'm going to preach to myself and uh, two people here tonight. It's all good. Amen. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. I want to preach a message entitled Shadows of Influence tonight. And we're going to talk about uh, a topic on character and reputation. Uh, character and reputation is so important to every single believer. Amen. As we live our lives, we've got a visible reputation. What determines our reputation, though, is ultimately your character. One person defined reputation as the tip of an iceberg. It's just all visible to see on the, on the top of the surface, but character is the large part beneath the surface. And so in our text, in Acts chapter 5, we're going to read a story. I believe God's going to help us tonight. If you're there, say amen. amen. Here we go. If you're not there, say hold on. Oh, it's always the same. No. <laughs> No, no, bless you, bless you. You know, we pray for those. <laughs> Acts chapter 5. Abraham Lincoln said this, Character is like a tree and reputation like a shadow. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is the real thing. I'll read that again. Character is like a tree and reputation is like a shadow. The shadow is what we think of it and the tree is the real thing. So Acts chapter 5 verse 12, you there? All right, let's go. So it said this, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly. I want you to remember that line. But the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. So they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. Listen to this, that at least the shadow of Peter's passing might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all healed. I want to preach a message, shadows of influence tonight. Peter's actual shadow was able to bring healing. His shadow was able to bring influence for good. And when we think about that, so ought our shadow, your reputation, so should be with your character, how you live your life, influence others, bring healing to someone else. Your life can bring change. Your life can bring influence to someone for Christ. Can you say amen? amen. So number one, if you're taking note, the reality of reputation. Because we all have individual reputations and many times our past affects our future. Our past affects our present time. For many people, your past haunts you. Your past uh, plays games in your mind. Your reputation haunts you. Your past sins, your past mistakes and failures, those bad decisions. This is like, you know what, this was your reputation. You lived your life ducking and diving from certain people in certain situations. Your reputation, you carry the weight of your sin, your guilt, your shame. All these sort of times, is, is this is who you are. And in our text, we see a peculiar dynamic. The church is led by Peter, who is on fire for God. 
I mean, after the resurrection, after the ascension of Christ, here he is, Peter, so fulfilled with boldness and passion, proclaiming Christ has been risen. And people believed that if they could only get in his shadow, if only they could just, his shadow would fall upon them, they would be made whole. And that's, that's powerful. I mean, think about this. Is, what's even more amazing, what's even more interesting about this story is who it's happening through who it's happening by. This is Peter we're talking about. This is Peter, the, uh, the big mouth disciple. This is Peter who just couldn't keep his mouth shut. You know, this is Peter, the one at the, at the night where Jesus was about to get uh, traded. And here it is. Peter says, Jesus, although they will deny you, I won't deny. This is Peter that's talking. He's saying, uh, Jesus says, listen, you'll deny me. Peter's like, hey, hey, that ain't me, Lord. I'll follow you. I'm, I'm your number one disciple. And this is Peter, the one that said boldly, I'll never deny you, was the one who boldly denied him. <laughs> Peter, the one who followed at a distance. Do you know Jesus? And here it is. Jesus is out there getting trialed and tested by the Pharisees, and Peter follows at a distance. This is so true in your Christianity when Jesus is put on trial in your life. When you're at work, it's like, are you a Christian? And so all of a sudden, you're just following back a bit. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just, let's go to church on Sundays. Oh, oh, following at a distance. Peter, the one who just now begins to warm himself by the fire. This is a picture of when you begin to get lukewarm in your Christianity. This is when you begin to be like, oh, Jesus, it's a bit too much. Oh, oh I'm just going to warm myself by the fire. A bit of, bit of, bit of gospel, a bit of the world, oh, a bit of lukewarm Christianity. Revelations talks about this lukewarmness, how he, he will begin to spew you out of his mouth. You, did, you couldn't decide on who you were going to be. You were neither hot nor cold. So he spew. And this is Peter, the disciple, the one that, that begins to deny him. But then I think about Peter on the other hand. Peter's reputation, how it all began. Peter, the one that walked on the water. Peter, the one that says, oh, you are the Christ. Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? And Peter's like, hey, you're the one. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And Jesus says, the Father has revealed this to you. And on this rock, I will build my church. Peter, the man, is who we're reading out about in our text. And this is the same Peter whose shadow is now healing people from one person where he's just full on for Christ, walking on water, to the other where he's totally distant from Jesus to the point where he's swearing the fact that he doesn't even know Jesus. And now, through his uh, restoration with Christ, here in our text, we're reading about this same Peter whose shadow is now influencing, touching people's lives, begin to change people's lives for what? For Christ. Peter is now restored and now people want to be in his presence. What about you tonight? What about you? When, when you come into contact with people's lives, do they want to be in your presence? Or do they, you know, run away from you? <laughs> Do they want to be in your presence and be around you and get around you? Be like, oh, encouraged. They feel encouraged. Or do they feel discouraged when they're around you? Peter is now the one that people want to be in his presence to be restored, where hope is now being found. And listen tonight, the only way a shadow appears is when light is shining on an object or a person. And so my question to you tonight is this. Are you walking in the light of God, shining and casting the shadow of His love? Are you walking in the light of God, shining His compassion? 
Are you walking in the light of God, shining His mercy, shining the truth of His love and His grace, shining His love of healing? And this could be made possible only through the power of one encounter with Jesus Christ. Amen. One encounter with Jesus Christ. It's when we come into His presence, irrespective of your past. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. Listen, one encounter with Christ can change all that. Three times Peter denies Christ and three times Jesus asks him the question, do you love me? You see, Christ has a plan for every backslider. Christ has a plan for every single person that's lost hope. Christ has a plan for every single one who's made mistakes. Christ has a plan for those who have even failed yesterday. Christ has a plan for you tonight. And he wants to restore you. He wants to begin to build your character and build your reputation so you can have the shadows of influence. One encounter with Jesus Christ. We can be forgiven in one touch. Our habits can be transformed in one encounter. Destructive lines of thought can be broken in one touch. Reputations can be changed in one encounter. People will see your life and say, man, there's something different about you. People will see your life and say, what's going on about you, brother, sister? What's, how come you're so joyful? How, man, what's up with you? How come? It's because of Jesus. Come on, can you say amen? I didn't wake up in the morning and have a coffee. I didn't wake up in the morning and have a Baraka. No, no, I woke up in the morning with the joy of the Holy Ghost. Come on now. <laughs> There's nothing like being in His presence. One encounter with Christ can change your life. It can become a reality. One encounter, and I want to say, you know what, it's not just one encounter. We need encounters with Christ daily. The woman with the issue of blood. Right there tells us she already has a reputation. She's known with this name, the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible don't even mention her name. That's all she's known for. The woman with the issue of blood. She's known by her affliction. She's known by her sickness. She's known by this reputation. But the Bible tells us she spent all that she had on doctors. She spent all that she had and she grew even worse. And the Bible tells us this awesome phrase. But when she heard about Jesus. Come on, when you hear about Christ. Come on, when you hear what is done in lives of people, when you hear what the Word of God is preaching and challenging lives, when you hear what Jesus can do, I'm telling you, it would want to make you to come in His presence. Mark 5 verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind Him in the crowd and touched His garment, for she said, if only I may touch His clothes, I shall be made well. Verse 29, immediately, everyone say immediately immediately I'm telling you tonight one encounter with Christ can immediately change your situation around one encounter with Christ can immediately change who you are I want to tell whoever it is tonight I'm preaching to someone tonight that is known for their addictions and afflictions you might be here tonight and you're an alcoholic Come on, somebody, you might be here tonight, and you might be a cheater, you might be a nobody. Is this your reputation? Are you known for this particular person? You might be here tonight, and you're a porn addict. You might be here tonight, you're a gambler, you're a victim. I want to tell you, one touch with Jesus Christ can change it. Come on, one touch with Jesus Christ can change your whole reputation. Just a touch, just a touch with Jesus 
One encounter with Christ can change our lives from the inside out. And that's what makes a person move from his inside and builds this character. Is because someone's been having this encounter with Christ. And from that moment on, I tell you, you begin to live your life for Christ. You build your life through prayer, through reading His Word, getting to church, being in His presence, lifting your hands in worship, singing to God. This builds your character, spiritual character. I'm telling you, you begin to have shadows of influence as you walk through the streets of Bean Lee. You'll have shadows of influence in your workplace. You'll have shadows of influence in your home, with your family, with your friends. You don't even know it, but this light's shining on you and the shadow is touching people people and the lives are being impacted second corinthians 5 17 if anyone be in christ he is a new creation all things have passed away behold it means to pause behold means to gaze at behold means to ponder look take a second because it says right there, all things become new. Many times we can be going through life and we never behold what God has done. Many times we go through life and it's like, oh God, we thank you for the old. And we keep living our lives, but we don't stop and realize all the things that he's done in our lives. Stop for a minute, sister, brother. Write down the thing. Psalms, David says, forget not thy benefits. Stop and remember what God has done in your life so that you can remember who he is in your life. It is the one who you encounter. It is the one who changed you from the inside. It is the one encounter that you need with Jesus Christ. And so Peter has this encounter with Jesus on the beach. After Peter denies him, he goes back fishing. He goes back into his old lifestyle, which is a picture of backsliding. And Jesus goes out and he calls out to him. And we read this story in John chapter 20, 21, verse 15. The story of when Jesus restores Peter. And this is what, what happens. John 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And right there in this story, Peter's past has been restored in one encounter with Christ. Jesus restores him. Before Peter was all about doing and, and getting things done, when Jesus reminds him and says, hey, do you love me? Feed my sheep. What a picture of this encounter with Christ, that love is now the motivating factor for him. And now this is being his motivating factor coming into the book of Acts. The motivating factor was the love. Do you love me? I'm just going to do things because I'm just going to do things. But the question really should come back. Do you love Christ? Do you love him? Feed my sheep. Many times we get the order wrong. We go out feeding and feeding and doing all the things and we forget the first part, which is to love Christ, which is to love Him. And so characters built through this foundation of love through Christ. So secondly, if you're making note, a collective reputation. I want to talk about this tonight. A collective reputation because we as a church have a reputation. Can you say amen? amen. Mark chapter 4 describes the kingdom of God as a mustard seed. 
It grows into a big tree. Birds are able to find food. Birds are able to come and find rest in this shade. And this is our calling as a church. A reputation that prompts pleasant thoughts of a church. That a church should be a safe refuge. A protection from the world. You know, despite whatever the media says about the church, despite what Hollywood, you know, depicts on movies, despite how music is portrayed about Christianity, it's important that people see you as the real deal, that you represent Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, we're ambassadors for Christ. We represent Christ. We, we are, you know what, we're, his, we're made in His image and we ought to glorify God with our lives. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through to 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Listen, church, our lives should be a sweet-smelling aroma. It shouldn't be something that's so disgusting and so disfragrantful. It should be something that's like, man, there's something going on about this life. It's because of the anointing. It's because of God's Spirit. It's, God's, it's because of God's presence on someone's life that begin to imitate God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk, listen to this, worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You see, we are to begin to have a reputation as a church. We need to make sure we're walking worthy of our calling. Can you say amen? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. We all know this. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. You know, that's the saying that people say to you, man, there's something different about you. There's something different. There's a real change in your life. There's something going on in that Potter's House church. It's because of the fact that people have given their lives to Jesus. Amen. In verse 13 of our text, it reads this, together in unity. People esteem them highly, esteem them highly. It's talking about unity. Uh, for us, this means that the world, the security guards, school teachers, businessmen and women will look at the church and respect you and I. They'll respect the church. They'll even show favor to the church that their employer would say, man, do you have any more people in your church that we can employ? Come on, that should be the reputation of the church. I remember working uh, back in North Lakes, and it's like, you know what, you'd be working in there, and it's like, hey, do you have anyone else that works? Yeah, and I, I'm telling you, the whole church was working for the same company. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not blowing my own horn here, but this is the true fact that when you begin to have a reputation that begins to glorify God, the, the world will see it and be like, man, we need more people like you. We need more people that can be faithful. We need more people that would come to work on time. Hey, hey. Oh, <laughs> we need more people to turn up. <laughs> but but this, is, this is the thing here. You know what? They see the church and realize, man, there's some change that's been happening. 
that these rat bags that were on the streets are now saved and now running the companies. That these rat bags are now behind pulpits preaching the mighty gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you. All because of His grace. All because, you know what, man, nothing we could ever do but because He bestowed that upon us. And the important thing that helps us is our behavior and how we treat people. This is important. Our behavior is going to be buffeted long term by our character. Listen to this. The way we act individually affects how we are viewed collectively. I say that again. The way we act individually affects how we are viewed collectively. I don't know how many times, and this is from other churches that I've been involved with, where one person does something and all of a sudden it's the whole church is like viewed as this one because of this one particular person. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, you know what? No, that's not what the church is about. Warren Buffett says this, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to destroy it. I'm telling you, this is a word for any aspiring preachers. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop or a pastor or a teacher, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. Come on, this is talking about a character. The husband of one wife, temperate. It means, you know what, he can have a handle on his emotions. Sober-minded, of good behavior. Hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. Verse 4, one who rules his house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. Verse 5, for if a man does not how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Verse 6, not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. But get this in verse 7. I want you to highlight this. Highlight it as well. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Listen, you've got to have a good testimony. You've got to have a good testimony, not only in church. You've got to have a good testimony in your workplace. Amen. You got to have a, a good testimony, not even in church, but outside as you walk the streets. When you go out into the, into your, do your grocery shopping. Oh, hey, are you the one that say, oh, he's that person. You got to have a good testimony. Yeah. People who have no people skills, man, people who are just arrogant, prideful, unfortunately bring a bad testimony for the church. Yeah. It's time we, you know what, as individuals, listen, the way we act individually affects who we are collectively. And so number three, I want to close with a lasting legacy tonight. Our text is right between some significant parts of the establishment of this New Testament church. Peter here, he's in the zone. I mean, miracles are transpiring. Power is continuing. The church is growing. It's overflowing. His spirit is moving. But just prior was the judgment of Ananias and Sapphira. This is a couple that was caught out lying, uh, stealing. This is a story about some people who's, uh, you know, saying one thing but did another thing. And it was dealt with. This is it right here. It was judged and it was dealt with. And the reason Peter judged it was because the issue was the integrity of the church, the character of the church, the reputation of the church. And so God honored Peter. His rightful judgment and the church, get this right, experience a rapid explosion of growth. But then also its first taste of persecution. And what's so noticeable is that people saw that these Christians were unashamed 
so the people, the unbelievers, those who are outside were drawn to the church. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Get that. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. This is in speaking about your life. When you begin to be unashamed of the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed in your life. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And the same is true with us. You know what? You can get mocked at work. You might be going through difficulties. But listen, people are attracted to you when they see your unwavering convictions. People will be drawn to you when they see this stabilized Christian who's not tossed to and fro, but has a conviction to say, you know what? No, I'm not going to have the Friday drinks. Yeah, I'm a believer in Christ. (laughs) You know what? Believers who stand for what is truth. I mean, any Muppet can follow the crowd. Can you say amen? Anyone else can do what everyone else is doing. When there's a crisis, do they call you? When there's a crisis, do they knock on your door? Come on, you got to leave a legacy behind that says people would want to come to you and and begin to be drawn to you about this shadow that you're casting. Leaving a legacy behind. Listen, when all is said and done, will people remember you? When all is said and done, when you're in your grave and at your tombstone, will people remember you? This is the legacy that you're leaving behind. There's a man in the Bible whose death nobody regretted. Did you hear that? There's a man in the Bible whose death no one regretted. His name was King Jehoram of Judah. I mean, we've all been at funerals. Most often at funerals, family members would get up and share their feelings and regrets of the things they couldn't or didn't do for the deceased person. But with Jehoram, this guy was different. I mean, you find this story in 2 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 20. It says of him, no one was sorry when he died. What a, what a terrible man. What a terrible story. What a horrible way to be, to be remembered. The NIV says this, he passed away to no one's regret he's a man who had no reputation he's a man who had a bad influence on others a bad reputation on others but what about you tonight what shadow are you casting that you can be remembered by the impact of your life what legacy will you leave behind amen every head bowed every eye closed Talking about a lasting legacy.